Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. everyone. Welcome back. Um, today I have a little bit of a different setup. I Some of you may remember um, a few episodes ago I interviewed Kari Eckert who lost her son um, exactly a year ago this month to suicide. He was 15 years old and since then she started the foundation. She and her husband started uh, Robbie's Hope which is an organization committed to um, essentially ending the the suicide epidemic that exists among teens in this country. Um, And today I have a few teens who are involved in the organization who helped to co-author something called the Adult Handbook, which is a guide by teens on how to talk to them about uh, suicide and, and mental health. So with me today, I have Olivia and Isabella and Nick. So hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks Thanks for having us. So... I'm, we can kind of like popcorn style this. Um, I'm just curious how you all got started with Robbie's Hope. Um, so I went to school with Robbie, and so I knew him. He was in a lot of my classes, mm-hmm. and just his death took us all by surprise. Mm-hmm. And so we all knew we had to do something, and we all just formed a group where we can talk and try to end the mental, like raise awareness for mental yeah. health. Because no one's really talking about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you two? Um, I've gone to school. I went to school with Robbie starting in eighth grade. Well, I guess halfway through seventh grade, mm-hmm. he transferred into my school, and we became pretty quick friends. We were definitely good friends. We rode bikes to school every day. Yeah. Carpooled the. Once we got to high school, and yeah. just like did normal stuff that we like the friends do, um, and I just I got involved with Robbie's help because like Olivia said. Um, it's definitely an issue that needs to be addressed, mm-hmm. especially in Colorado. Um, yes. And I also really just wanted to help out the Eckerts. Yeah. Um, so I didn't actually know Robbie, and I didn't go to his high school, but I heard about this because I live really close, mm-hmm. and so I just had a lot of past experiences with mental issues with my friends and people that were close to me, and so it just hit home, and I figured... There's no reason for me to not be a part of something that could really impact our community. So mm-hmm. I just decided to do it. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit or tell everyone a little bit about this this handbook. So it's it's sort of I'm grabbing it. It's sort of like a, a how-to guide on on how to have these conversations about um, grief or depression, anxiety, suicide, all of this stuff. And it's kind of organized in Um, different sections so I can tell you all it's a little about the guide organized with when to have the conversation choosing the right place and time initiating the conversation navigating the conversation closing the conversation and continuing the conversation so can you kind of give like a brief little rundown about any of it yeah um basically just the handbook is a way to like bridge the gap between teens and adults and how we want 
like to be asked about it because we all are struggling and sometimes when like adults don't address it right we close down yeah and so this is kind of a way on how to approach these situations Mm-hmm. that's awesome and also it's different about uh the Robbie's hope adult handbook it's actually written by teens um most other uh, uh like suicide slash mental health uh handbooks are not written by teens right. they don't really have that much team input really it's mostly uh just mental health professionals which is a great thing but it's also nice to have it from a teen's perspective as absolutely well. absolutely I kind of think of it as like at least from my perspective with grief it was like I could read anything by you know a psychiatrist on how to grieve and what the process looks like but unless it's coming from someone who is like in the thick of it and who's experiencing it it's kind of meaningless um and that's that's why I think this book is so awesome also worth noting I don't think this is like just for kids and teens I think Mm -hmm. this is like for anyone to know how to have these conversations about mental health um that impacts everybody um so yeah this is awesome so do you feel this is such a broad question and I hate it as I was writing this question, but I feel like it's so important. Do you guys feel that social media has played any kind of role in mental health? Oh yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah. Say, okay. So say more. Um, well, social media creates like this picture perfect world that everyone wants to be part of because they only post like the good and never the bad, like just the highlights of people's lives. And people are like, oh, like, I want to be like that. Right. And then you just start questioning, like, how can I, like, fit in to social, like, like the social, um, what is it called? Just like into, like, to fit into. social media scene. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Or just like into, like, society in a way. Influencers? Is that what you're No, not, just like into society. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I kind of, I certainly think it has played a part, uh, with some people more than others. Every case varies, but, of course. um, in my opinion, I think a lot of it, um, at least in, in my life, mm-hmm. uh, most of the stress I feel is from school and from just like trying to be good in baseball, uh, and just all my activities yeah. and just trying to kind of move along the ranks and, uh, keep my coaches and, my, just my superiors in general happy. Yeah. Um, so. Also, oh, wait. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going <laughs> to say, like, when, because social media, like, you can see people doing things without you, and then you can feel left yeah. out. <laughs> yep. And then you're like, oh, like, why didn't I get invited? And then all these thoughts just keep rolling through your head. Totally. And yeah. Then, yeah. I would agree with that. I think, at least in my experience, social media is just, it's very addictive, I mean, I got it at a young age, and I obviously didn't really understand it, but especially in high school, everybody that I know is just, they're getting like 500 likes, and so you just feel a little bit um, less accepted if you're not getting that amount of likes that everyone around you is getting, and it sort of is just a value on your um, popularity, which is a superficial thing, but to be honest, it's hard to not care about and hard to not think about 100%. when it's what everybody is thinking about. <laughs> I'm 30 and I feel that way. So like <laughs> you're you're doing fine. Um but I want to go back to something you said Nick where you talked about you want to keep everybody happy. So what do you mean by that? Well, I mean 
I just, for example, uh, I use school as an example because everyone, yeah. everyone goes to school. Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I need to keep myself, myself happy because if I get that B, I'm not always too happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially also my parents because um, they have expectations for me that I do well enough to, I mean, they're not super hard on me, but they, they just want me to get mostly A's and B's and just... They want me to do well, mm-hmm. um, and obviously, uh, when it comes to sports, you want to impress your coaches uh, so you can just continue to stay on the team or just to continue to move up. You don't want to, because it feels like sometimes when you disappoint your coach, like you have to worry about your spot. Or, yeah. So yeah. If if that and I completely understand that you guys teens are under a lot of stress and pressure to like be the best at everything all the time and I want if if that is the case I wonder do you guys feel comfortable then having those conversations saying like I'm not okay I mean the whole the whole mantra of Robbie's hope is it's okay to not be okay so with all of this pressure surrounding you guys, like, how do you say I'm not okay? If it's everywhere, like, between school, parents, coaches. Well, I mean, like, my mom, she always says, like, if it gets to be too much, just, like, let me know. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, like, reassuring because sometimes at times it can be too much, and then I just tell her that, and then we sit and we, like, talk through it. Yeah. And so talking it out and kind of breaking it down from, like, a fundamental standpoint helps you realize, like, what you need to do and, like, what you don't really need to stress about, like, to add onto your plate. Totally. So that helps me. Awesome. I mean, talking to my parents is really hard for me, even when um, we talk about it and we make a book about it. I just still find it really hard to go to them. Um, I think I approach the situation more as, like, a friend standpoint. Like, Mm -hmm. I love my parents, and I kind of feel like... I like them, not just because they're my family, so that makes it easier to just kind of rant to them as if they're one of my friends, Yeah. just rather than, like, being concerned that they're my parents and they'll judge me for, like, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that was something else I was thinking as I was writing this, or as I was, as I was reading this, <laughs> is, like, how do you think this transfers to the conversations with friends? Like, do you think, do you think... The more awareness, I guess, that this handbook causes or this organization or you guys affect change, do you think that you're comfortable having these conversations more with your friends than you are adults? I think it just varies because sometimes you can find that one close friend that you're comfortable with and Mm -hmm. you know they're there for you and they're like not going to change their opinion, but that's the same as a family member Mm -hmm. because they're always going to be there for you. And I think writing this book has at least helped me realize that a lot of people do care about you and that they're like, all they want to do is help you. So can you, can you, anyone, tell me a little bit about, um, within Robbie's Hope, there's something called Hope Groups. Can you guys tell me a little bit about those? Yeah, so um, there's several Hope Groups uh, throughout Colorado, uh, and actually there's a couple in North Dakota as well. Oh. Um, and 
uh, they're just where teens get together. It's only teens. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a adult leader, mm-hmm. but uh, really, it's only teens allowed. Um, and we kind of all get together and we discuss our concerns um, and other things we'd like to work on uh, in regards to Robbie's hope and just uh, mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to kind of functioning as uh, advancing Robbie's hope, it also really serves as a support group almost. Because yeah. um, so many times uh, we talk about just my friends and I will talk about Robbie mm-hmm. uh, and just to tell some stories and uh, it's always it's always a good time yeah so. for sure what about you guys do you guys are either of you involved in any of the hope yeah. groups okay yeah so um basically we, we had a hope group last night mm-hmm. and what we did is like we have a group of people and then sometimes like we have guest speakers or anything and then we break into like smaller groups and we have like a topic that we discussed so last night was how do we get more people involved mm-hmm. in these groups and like how do we like aware people that like this exists and so then we kind of just like come up with ideas and then we share their, share them with Jason and Kari mm-hmm. and then the next step is to make it like happen so that's awesome you guys yeah. are very busy it's yeah. like a huge commitment that's awesome what would what do they when you say it's a support group, is that only if someone's in a hope group that knew Robbie? Or do you, what do you think, do you guys talk about any, like, really sensitive issues? Something I think about is, like, how prevalent, especially, as you said, in Colorado, how prevalent suicide is among teenagers. And I just, I wonder how that would impact me as a teenager if I saw on the news, like, how common this was happening and I would just keep thinking to myself like this could be me this could be my best mm-hmm. friend this could be my sister like do you guys talk about that do you think um, about that well at our hope group anyway mm-hmm. most of the people knew Robbie mm-hmm. um so that's that's kind of mainly what we talk about but I'm sure at other hope groups I think everyone joins a hope group for a reason and typically it's because they they personally have been affected by uh, mental health, either yeah. they've had some issues with it themselves or they've lost a friend or family member to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm sure that those conversations are happening just because I think people, people who go there, like I said, have kind of been around it, I think, for the most right. part. So they feel the need to share as well. Yeah. Also, I think like people want to talk about it because they want to get the help and like hope groups allows that opportunity because you're not going to be judged or anything because everyone's there for like the same exactly. reason. Totally. So it's like a safe space for everyone to be. Totally. Prior to you guys losing Robbie, did you think that, I don't know how to ask this other than like, was losing Robbie like the last straw? And is this why you got involved? Were you aware of all of these like mental health issues that teenage kids have? have and then you lost Robbie and you were like okay enough like we need to do something or did this take you so by surprise that you know yeah does that make sense I feel like I'm not speaking English I (laughs) I mean so I definitely had heard of it Um, yeah I didn't know anyone personally um but actually a few weeks or a few months before Robbie's death 
uh, one of the ladies I work for, um, her grandson died by suicide. Mm. So that was kind of the first time um, that it, that was like the closest closest it ever got to me yeah. up until Robbie. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of knew it was an issue, and I just honestly I thought I knew it was kind of in, inevitable that someone I knew as I was getting older it was gonna happen to somebody. Right. Uh, but I just didn't really think about that that often, just because yeah. human nature you don't think about it until it really hits you. Right. Right. Um, but that definitely for me made me want to get involved once it really hit me, um, that someone I knew died by suicide. It made me want to get involved to maybe help someone else out. Yeah. Even if it was just one person, so. Yeah, I mean, personally, I never really gave it a, like, mental health, like, a thought. Like, Mm -hmm. I kind of just went about my day and I was like, sad, I was like, oh, like, I'll be better next, like, tomorrow. And then, so, Robbie's death really took me by surprise. And then I kind of was like, oh, like, this is something that we need to talk about. Because it obviously isn't being talked about. And schools, they don't like to do anything for it because they don't want to, like, plant the seed in people's head. Like, oh, like, if you take your own life, then you're going to be, like, like, draw attention to yourself, you know? Yeah. And so they try to fade away from that when I feel like we should be talking about Mm -hmm. it because it's an ongoing. And I think recently it's been getting, like suicide has been raising sadly and but now like everywhere I look like on the news and stuff or like social media there's always like a post about yeah mental health now yeah so you think that it's like trending in mm-hmm. a good direction yeah would you say mm-hmm. yeah so the the handbook talks about that exactly about like that there's you know there's this concern around the fact that if we talk about suicide you're planting the seed for suicide yeah. as like an option when really that's been totally disproven and it's not true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So does Robbie's Hope work with, do, or do you guys work with like teachers at, at a school level to sort of say like, we need to be having these conversations and you're not, you're, it's, it's not bad. It's not a bad thing to talk about it. Well, so I'm in sources of strength at my school and sources of strength is just like, Kind of, it is about mental health, mm-hmm. and so we'll have a wellness week. I think it's like in two weeks, mm-hmm. and it kind of like we started it to inform people of mental health. So like every day we do like activities that like gets people involved as like a community, and like knows that like it's okay not to be okay, and if mm-hmm. you're struggling, that there are resources to help you. So I think that's good at my school at least, but I know there's some schools that don't do anything. So. Yeah. Um, I'm in the source of strength at my school, too, and we actually had Kari come in and give our school a lecture last year. Um, it was, like, May or something. Mm-hmm. And so this year, our whole focus is sort of suicide awareness. Wow. And um, we've just sort of, I think, we haven't linked that much with Robbie's Hope, but I've taken a lot of inspiration mm-hmm. between both groups, I think, because they both have similar goals. Yeah. And so I think that Robbie's help has really impacted my school, even if it's not that apparent. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I just think there's certainly a lot more work that can be done in yeah. terms of educating schools on it. Um, I think that Robbie's help was definitely a wake-up call, especially at Lakewood High School. Yeah. Um, but there's still, I still feel that there's just not, 
it schools just still don't want to listen. I also feel like teachers don't know how to handle like these situations because I had an experience where one of the girls like I found out like she was suicidal so I mm. took her down to a counselor and she sat down she's like yeah like I'm suicidal and the counselor kind of just like froze and then left like what t- yeah left for like 10 minutes and then came back with like a security guard oh my god but I was like that's just not how you handled the situation at all because she kind of just sat there and she was crying even more she's like see like she just leaves me too oh and it just yeah so I feel like counselors now and teachers should have like not necessarily like a class but just like a general idea on how to handle the topic and I also think another uh in regard like kind of kind of relates to Olivia's experience is I I found out that um at, at public schools um if you do not have mental health training you're considered a mandatory reporter and you have to report that to uh, I think it's typically law enforcement um yeah. and I I kind of I get what they're they're trying to get it to someone who can handle it on the other hand, if you're having mental health issues, um, I think kind of the last thing you want is to get law enforcement yeah, involved. Yeah, and that's Absolutely. why I feel like people are scared to, like, talk to counselors now because yeah. then they know it can end up to a bigger thing, so people try to hide it and everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm, like, trying to wrap my head around this. So, <laughs> the counselors aren't, like, no one at your school is really equipped to talk about well, this stuff. I mean, I think our social workers. Yeah, the social workers she, for sure are. Because I took another so. kid there, and she uh, she was really good. And she talked to the girl for a while and made her feel a lot better. And it's just, like, the difference between the counselors and the social workers. I mean, we had, like, ten counselors, but only, like, one social worker. Right. And so, yeah, just is different. Okay, so my mom, uh, she actually works in my school, and there was one kid in particular that went up to her and confided in her um, about how he was having some issues with his mental health, and since she wasn't trained in uh, mental health, uh, she's a mandatory reporter, so she had to actually report that to uh, his counselor. It turns out he really did, did not like his counselor. And really, the counselor just made the situation worse when really all he wanted was to go to my mom for some help, and mm. she could have just helped him out right then and there, hopefully made it better. But I think that just speaks to, like, she was doing her job, so she had to do that. But I just think that speaks to how we need to, like, reframe the conversation on that mental health should be just a part of health in general Mm -hmm. I mean we have trained nurses like (laughs) you know if you go to your nurse at school and say I feel like I'm gonna throw up they're not gonna call 911 Mm -hmm. so I think it's I think we need to be talking about how we change that conversation here (laughs) change the landscape um so support I think we we kind of talked about this but I I want to go back to it because I think I think this is, I'm sorry, I just you. I think this is so, so critical in how kids relate to each other, especially I'm also weaving in like that social media aspect where 
I'm going to butcher this, but it's like there have been these like studies and talks about how we are so much more connected than we've ever been as a world, obviously. Like you can follow people on Instagram and Facebook and whatever who are like thousands of miles away. And yet we're more isolated because we are spending so much more time on our phone. We are spending time connecting with people that we've never met, blah, blah, blah. But so how, like, if that's the case, then how do we, do you think it matters that we, we are comfortable talking about mental health and our, any, any struggle that we're having with our friends first and parents and or adults, trusted adults second? Do you think there's an order? Do you think it matters? I mean, I feel like teens probably will talk to their friends first. Yeah. Just maybe to be like, should I talk to my parents about this? Right. Get kind of like their approval in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know for like my friends, like I know like their opinions matter to me. For sure. And, but then like there's other cases where I'm like, no, like I know I need to talk to my parents about this. And then I said like, sometimes you don't want your friends to find out about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of just like double standards, I think. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree that it varies depending on the situation and the person. Sure. Um, I think most of the time, like she said, teens will go to their friends first. Yeah. Um, most of the time for me, I will just always go to my friends. And um, I trust them a lot and I trust their judgment and um, I know they trust me. And so it's sort of like we can kind of see when an adult really needs to be involved mm-hmm. if it comes down to that. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, think, you want to say something. <laughs> yeah. I think boys are definitely <laughs> a little different. Yeah. No one, I've never gone to anybody. No, none of my friends have ever come to me. Like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I if I know. do have an yeah. issue, I'll just talk to my mom or so, or I'll just talk to my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs make the best therapists. Yeah. She never says anything, <laughs> back, but that's the best part. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like trying to figure out how to not make this an entirely different episode because I think that there's a whole issue with guys. No offense, Nick. But (laughs) it's just like the difference between girls and guys. It really is. And that's, I don't think it's anything that, I think it's how like we, we nurture boys from a very young age to be tough, to be together to be like the strong yeah. ones and girls are allowed to cry it's okay for girls <laughs> to show emotion and if a boy does it it's he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah he's like a little like get it together and it's just <laughs> like do you think that do you think that that's something that Robbie's Hope or any of the um I'm sorry I don't remember the names of the group that you guys are involved what's it called sources the, of strength. sources of strength that sources of strength would ever focus on that like the different coping yeah. between different genders. I mean, yes. we haven't, but I think that'd be an that interesting be, yeah. thing to like explore. Because I definitely think girls are more, well, obviously like more talkative yeah. than their friends. <laughs> yes. And like they share a lot more because like guys are just like, what's up? And yeah, I know. That's it. Like they're like, oh, look, look, look at the song I found. But then girls are like, oh my God, like this happened and this. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's just. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's much more socially acceptable. Yeah. If a guy shares exactly. his feelings, it's he's like ridiculed and yeah, right. Um, and then I wanted. Okay, so I feel I've been out of high school for a very long time, <laughs> and I wonder how the bullying does. Is like bullying a thing anymore? There's more social be- like social media bullying. social media yeah. bullying because I feel like now people are too scared to confront you in your face. 
There's a lot of, oh, like, yeah. talking behind your back and spreading rumors, like, that kind of bullying, mm. but not really physical bullying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, for me, like, I definitely notice it's typically, like, disguise. it's, like, the bullying that I've seen uh, is all just, it's, like, disguised as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they, like... What do you mean? <laughs> like, they make it as a yeah. joke. Yeah, like, they make it hurtful. as a joke, but you know that... They're not oh. entirely joking, and they're... It, that yeah. could be a whole other story as well, but... Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I wonder, I, you know, if you on the news and other sources, you hear that's like, bullying is still such a huge issue, and so on. And I'm just, I, I wondered how that looked, and if you think that impacts suicide rates. I don't know. I have no... I don't know. I think social media does play a role in it. I'm sure, like parts of bullying like will impact yeah because of course like you want to have a good reputation for yourself but if there's someone out there trying to ruin your reputation then you're like okay like maybe it is true Mm -hmm. and then you start to believe like the lies and then it kind of just like degrades you in a way yeah and yeah i've certainly uh like for example uh i know there's a suicide uh, Cherry Creek High School. That's where I went to school. Yeah. yeah. Earlier uh, this year. Um, and I know that was kind of a cause of cyberbullying. Um, mm. I know there was... I'm not sure, I can't remember exactly if it was words, but I'm sh- I think that there were definitely some pictures or videos that oh were part God. of it. Like, that's definitely a thing now. I, like, like posting pictures of yeah, people? Yeah, just and... like, like... I mean, just like inappropriate like kids will get a hold of inappropriate pictures yeah and like spread them throughout and wow. I've, that's that's what i hear on the news a lot like, right that's i think it's a very small cause of suicide right but right. when it does happen it's like national news yeah so wow yeah none of none of this stuff was around when i was in high school facebook like just <laughs> entered the scene we had myspace i don't know if any of you know what it is. i know what it is oh god help me but um <laughs> we had myspace and and we and yeah and facebook there was no instagram there was no snapchat there like we didn't have any of that and it i just i can't imagine being a kid in yeah. this day and age with all of that pressure yeah. So I'm going to turn to the book again. So the guide stresses the importance of an open dialogue and kind of like an ongoing dialogue. Can you guys tell me a little bit what that looks like? So basically it's asking open-ended questions such as like, instead of asking how was your day, you say tell me about your day. Mm. Um, Just because then kids will like open up more. Because if you say how was your day, they're just going to be like good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you end it there. But if you say tell me about your day, then they'll be like, well, I went to this class, and then they, like, kind of spark something, like, oh, and then this happened, and they kind of, like, elaborate yeah. on that. Yeah, So it just kind of, like, builds onto each other. Like, a simple question will just build onto, like, other questions, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. certainly a key factor in that is uh, avoiding yes or no questions as, mu- as much as possible. And you don't mm-hmm. want to be too invasive, but... Right. Um, like Olivia said, just... Uh, recalling the events of your day has actually been shown to spark uh, emotions, which, like, you can't really control. Once you start talking about it, <laughs> then you're going to want to start talking about it. It's pretty hard. At that point, it's much harder to hide 
than if you're saying just if you're just answering yes or no questions right yeah so what it like I as I was reading this I was wondering like how I would feel as a kid if my mom or dad was concerned with behavior that I was showing and they like wanted to talk about it and say like you know I'm here for you whatever but then if it like kept coming up like how do you navigate that if someone just like keeps asking you I don't know I feel like just be honest if you are feeling that way just like yes because they're not going to change their opinion on you they just want to get you the help that like you need Mm -hmm. and then they'll talk you through because some people they don't want to see therapists they don't want to do that um, but I think talking to, like, parents, but if there is nothing wrong, you could just say, like, no, like, I'm just having, like, a bad week or something, but next week will be better. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if next week isn't better, then you could be like, well, what's going on? And then you, yeah. like, reevaluate, like, yourself and why you're feeling this way, and then maybe, like, the next time your parents ask, then you can be like, well, actually, like, I think something is going wrong, but I just don't know, like, the cause of it. Hmm. So. Yeah. Do you think that your parents are open to having those discussions? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my parents, I think the most important thing for me is just to remember that they really just want to help and they want to be there for me. And um, so just keeping that in mind when you're having a conversation makes it a lot easier to talk about just because I know that they have my best interests at heart, even if it's sort of an uncomfortable or vulnerable thing to talk mm-hmm. about it's I know it's gonna be okay because you know they want the best for me so yeah yeah it's very wise how old are you I'm 16 okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else that you guys want to share I mean you guys have done an awesome job I was in the book it talks about the importance of like not comparing when you're having this conversation about like let's say me as the parent not comparing my experience to you as the kid and I think that's so important (laughs) and however I'm going to do that right now because I just I you know I can't imagine a group like this existing when I was 16 years old or even like yeah or just or, or being a part of it or having these conversations about it and I just I think it's so awesome what you guys are doing and what you're the the change that you're trying to affect and thank you yeah Yeah, i'm very appreciative (laughs) i'm truly i mean that so thank you guys so much for joining me thank you thanks for having us us.